0: If I speak in the tongues of mortals and angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong, or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you to join us here in this place this morning, and we trust that you have kept your promise and are here with us. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Please be seated. Does anyone here remember the amazing race? Any amazing race fans in the room? There were a couple of years where it was I as in my favorite show on television. We would avidly look forward to the night that it aired each week and schedule our lives around it. Uh, But you know, I looked it up this week, and it turns out it's not actually accurate to ask who remembers The Amazing Race, because when I looked it up to see how long ago it was canceled, the app on my phone said, new episode tomorrow. (laughs) So it turns out that it premiered in 2001, has aired 33 seasons and is going strong, so buy Amazing Race stock, I guess, is the point of that. But for anyone who's unfamiliar, the show features teams of two, except for one ill-fated season where it was families, but teams of two racing from point to point, following clues around the world. And the couples always have some interesting connection, they're twin sisters or husbands and wives, fathers and sons, boyfriends and girlfriends, co-workers, and so on. And of course, they're always just a little mismatched to increase the possibility of tension. You know the TV thing, right? He's a great lover of the outdoors, and she only ever wears high heels. She speaks seven languages, and he can burp the alphabet. (laughs) Even the twins, you know, have some deep-seated resentment between them that's guaranteed to come out just when they're trying to catch a cab in downtown Calcutta. The whole show is intended to stress these people out to the breaking point. Everyone fights in the end. That's what gets ratings. A friend and I once even considered auditioning for the show as a pair of Anglican clergy, uh, but we never got our act together, Probably, probably for the best. So where am I going with all of this? Well, one team, one couple, has stuck with me all these years later. I actually think about them kind of a lot. It was a boyfriend-girlfriend team, Ron and Kelly. They did the race back in Season 7, 2005. This is when I was in my amazing race stage. It was actually quite easy to look up that information about them because, and I promise you I am not making this up, when I typed... Ron and Kelly into Google, it auto-filled Ron and Kelly Amazing Race. So I am not the only person who is Googling Ron and Kelly from The Amazing amazing Race. I'm not the only one for whom they are a lasting memory. Now, Ron was a former prisoner of war in Iraq, and Kelly, a former beauty pageant winner. See, perfectly mismatched. At the beginning of one, particular episode they're interviewing kelly it's like outside their tent in the australian outback or something and she tells the camera and therefore the millions of people watching at home that when she woke up that morning she read the love chapter in the bible first corinthians 13 the very same reading we have before us this morning ah you're saying to yourself i was wondering when he was going to get to the bible and here we are So Kelly's reading this passage for her morning devotion in the Australian Outback, but she does something interesting with it. Instead of the word love, Kelly puts in her name. Kelly is patient. Kelly is kind, and so on. And she says in this interview that she's going to be those things to Ron today. Patient. Kind. Not envious or arrogant or rude. She's going to live out 1 Corinthians 13. Laudable, right? Way to go, Kelly. But like I said, the amazing race can get a little tense. And team members often get frustrated with one another. And at one point, near the end of this particular day, a day that I remember very clearly, the love chapter day. Kelly got really annoyed with Ron and, well, she ended up calling him a redneck piece of trash. (laughs) Right there on TV, right in front of the same millions of people she had told about reading the Love chapter that same morning. Now I'm not from the South, and Louisville's not the South-South, so maybe I'm not an expert, but Ron is from a small town in Georgia which is the South-South. And from his reaction, I don't think that redneck piece of trash is an expression of love. <laughs> not patient, not kind, very, very rude. Now, my first instinct back in 2005 when those words, redneck piece of trash, came out of Kelly's mouth on television was, oh no, no. What a terrible Christian example. She told everyone that she was reading the Bible, and now she's saying this awful, awful thing. But I want you all to remember Kelly from The Amazing Race. May she be a lasting memory for you as she is for me, because though she may not be a great Christian example, she is a perfect example of a Christian. See, Kelly has a problem, and her problem is a beautiful picture of the human problem. We are all Kelly. She had a great plan, but couldn't carry it out. She wanted to love, and she went to the Bible to find out how to love. She read the love chapter and thought, well, that's what love looks like, so that's what I'll do. She had everything right. Right up until the part where she couldn't do it. We have this problem too. Our plan is great. We know what we are supposed to do and we want to do it. We know that we're supposed to love. We even want to love and we know to go to the Bible. We read the love chapter to show us how. But we can't hold to our plan. So despite our best efforts and intentions, we are occasionally impatient with our in-laws. We are unkind to people that we work with. We are angry at friends, hateful of enemies. All too often we find ourselves to be impatient, unkind, envious, boastful, and rude, and all the other things that don't look like love. And you know, the love chapter isn't even close to being done yet. Look at some of the other descriptions of love. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. If you ever needed any proof that this description of love was beyond your ability to uphold, there you have it. If we're like Kelly, with a good plan that we just can't hold to, reading this description of love as a standard, as something to live up to, crushes us. Be patient, be kind. Okay, don't be envious or boastful. Uh, It's a little harder. Bear all things. Endure all things. Oh, if we think about it too much, this amazing love, it can make us wonder if we're Christians at all. We feel or can feel so defeated when we look at our lives and realize how little Like this, we love. It's for this reason that I always caution couples who come to me and want this section of scripture read at their wedding. We can read it, I tell them. But let me tell you what I'm going to say about it before you make a final decision. Because the truth is that 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, is not describing the beautiful love that two humans can have for one another. The love it describes is completely and utterly out of human reach. It certainly wasn't within Kelly's reach, despite her best efforts. The truth is that this love chapter is not simply giving us a standard for which we are to reach. It is a standard, but it is a standard to reach for because of what it is describing. What real and true love is really like. In other words, 1 Corinthians 13 describes the love of God for us. We humans don't love in this way, though we ought to. We're not up to this standard, though this is a picture of true love. So thank God he offers us so much more than standards. And this friends, is the beauty of the gospel. Since we can't love like this, God does it himself. Check out 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Not that we loved, But he loved. And how did he love? By sending Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, there's a vocabulary word for you. Propitiation. It may be hard to spell, but it is one of the most beautiful words in the Bible. And it's no accident we say it every single week during the comfortable words. It is a great comfort to us. John uses it again in the second chapter of that same letter. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Propitiation refers to something that reconciles a person back to someone who has a grievance with them. It's a sacrifice, an offering, a propitiation, pays the price owed and takes the grievance away, restoring the relationship. And this is what Jesus is for us as he reconciles us to God. He bears all things. He endures all things. The sins of the world on the hard wood of the cross in love for you. Outside of Christ, God has a grievance with us. We don't love as we are called to love. He has commanded us to love him with all of our hearts, souls, minds and strength. He has commanded us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And like Kelly on The Amazing Race, despite our best efforts, we fail. As 1 Corinthians 13 says, if we have not love, we are nothing. And so on our own, we are nothing. Outside of Christ, we are nothing. But praise the Lord, it is only outside of Christ that we are nothing. Because God is love, he loves us when we don't love and loves us by offering his son as the propitiation for our sins. And that propitiation demands that we read the love chapter as a celebratory description of God's love rather than merely as a standard for us to live up to. So not Kelly is patient. Kelly is kind or Nick is patient. Nick is kind. But God in Christ is patient. God in Christ is kind. Propitiation makes the Christian life less about what you can do for God and more about basking in the good news of what God has done for you. The Christian life is about realizing the amazing and complete work of Christ on the cross. That's the Christian liturgy. Not so much doing something as acknowledging and celebrating something that has already been done. Like Kelly on The Amazing Race, we so often cannot hold to our good plans. Our lives spin out of our control so easily. In a matter of minutes, we go from, I will be patient and kind to my loved ones, to calling them redneck pieces of trash. St. Paul might as well have been watching The Amazing Race, or watching my life or yours, when he wrote Romans 7. I do not understand my own actions The apostle laments for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. St. Paul, Kelly, you and me. This word describes us profoundly, but it is right when everything seems to be falling apart, right when we feel the worst at loving each other, that we get a word of gospel, a word of good news, a word of propitiation. Wretched man that I am, cries Paul, who will deliver me from this body of death? And Paul has an answer an answer full of grace for himself for Kelly for me and for you thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord it is the perfect sacrificial offering of Jesus Christ his propitiation that takes the wretched person that you are to the cross and gives his perfect goodness to you reconciling you you the otherwise unloving and unlovable reconciling you to the god of love forever and that's what love is not that you loved god but that he loved you and sent his son jesus christ to be the propitiation for your sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God and amen.